Thank you. That was great. That was great. Uh, it's always uh, always a pleasure to get to come and and uh, worship with everyone and just being being here really it, it fills me it fills me up every time and and I always like. I come into Sunday mornings thinking about like all the things that I need to do because you know like there's a list that you know turn the hair down and all the things and um, and so I always forget like how my, I feel like I miss out on looking forward to worship because I feel like I'm just so busy with all the things but once once worship finally starts and we're here like it's always so good so um, I really appreciate you all leading us so well and um, and. Just having a church family like this to worship with is awesome. So, let's pray and uh, and we'll dive in. God, thank you for uh, your word and and what it teaches us. Um, God, I pray that that we don't lose sight of of the gift that we have. And, uh, I just pray as we study this morning that you would shape us and mold us, and that we would seek you. And that we would uh, we would align ourselves with you. We would depend on you, and that we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't have any of us left, but it would be all you. And that we would become less and less, so that you could become more and more. And, uh, God, I just thank you for this church and these people, uh, my church family, and, and what they mean to me. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Good. Are we recording? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> last time we were, and uh, that was my fault last time. So it wasn't going to be my fault again. Um, so everybody's good this morning. We're all doing well. Like it's nice and hot now, so you can just go outside and start sweating. Um, the uh, the church calendar is so, like, it's so different place to place. And if you don't know, I used to be in, in youth work. And so youth work in the church, like, this is the time when you go to camp. And, like, camp is awesome. Like, teenagers are super excited about camp. They think it's great. And as a youth pastor, it is a colossal beating. Like, it, you, like you do the math on your salary, and you're like, I'm making, like, seven cents an hour this week. Like, this is not, this is really good. And, uh... You have, you know, you have people who, like, they drop their kids off to you, and they're like, listen, I know you got, like, he doesn't wake up before 11. <laughs> like, he just doesn't. And I'm like, no, 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 for really, he, does, he doesn't. And you end up, like, dragging kids in sleeping bags, like, outside. I had one parent show up, and, like, they're dropping off of the bus. I'm about to get on the bus, and they were like, hey, um, just so you know, like, sometimes he walks in his sleep. And I was like... Play that out for me. Like, sometimes it's like once a week, once a year. Like, what are we talking about? Oh, it's only happened a couple times. And so then at that point, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not worried about it. And uh, wake up in the night and look up. And he is standing on the edge of the top bunk, completely asleep. And just in time to see him, like, just step off and, like, face first, stitches in the chin. It was great. Uh, so thankful to not be going to camp this summer. <laughs> so I just want to say that. Um, all the stuff that we do during the summer, I'm just really glad. Like, I will be 
extremely excited and grateful for the day when we do like take kids to camp. But I am going to enjoy every minute when it's not here. <laughs> um, so we uh, going through this series on prayer. Um, it this this tends to happen if you like if you've missed the last few weeks. Um, I'll play play out like how things happen. Like we get in a room to to break down like the series that we're going to go over and, and who's going to pray. And we get a calendar out, and a lot of it centers around Tim's on-call schedules, so we hammer that out. And then I try as best I can to, like, ease his burden a little bit. And so I will, I'll say, hey, like, give me a week here or there so that, like, you can have more time and do that. And it seems like a great thing then, but then as it comes, like, Every time I look at the passage, and I'm like, man, this is such an important passage. I, I wish that I wish that Tim was the one doing it, because he has a gear that I don't have. And if you weren't here last week, like, he did an amazing job. And he came out of the gate just on fire and didn't slow down the whole time. So if you, if you weren't here and you missed it, definitely tune in to the, uh, the podcast. You can catch up on it. But this has been such a good series and it's so it's so weighty like it 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 matters right because this is jesus telling his disciples hey when you pray pray like this and so it's important like prayer is is a huge part of what we should do as believers and and so this is it matters and so looking at this and studying it i've just seen that this is a prayer uh one of alignment and then two, of dependence. We're aligning ourselves with, with our relationship with God. We come to him as he is God the Father, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we come to him like, like a child and he is our Father. We don't come as, as equals or as somebody that has something to offer or as somebody who, who like, well, because, like, because you're saving me and I'm going to go to heaven, then like, then I'm going to do my part, and, and all of those things need to wash away. We need to come to him as our father, and we are his child. And so it's, it's that aligning, and then we see thy kingdom come, thy will be done again. It's, it's God's game plan, and it's, and it's his goal, his goal, his kingdom come, his game plan, his will be done, and we're once again, we find ourselves aligning to that. And so then once we're properly aligned with our relationship with God and and our goal and how we're going to get there, we find ourselves in this area of dependence. Daily bread, forgiveness of our debts, our salvation, and then our grace to forgive others, forgiving our debtors. And so it's this dependence on him and this recognition that what we, what we have is not of, in and of ourselves, but it comes from him. And so it's that dependence. And we'll continue this week uh, with another form of dependence And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me. And go ahead and stand, and we will will read, I will read uh, verses 9 through 13. Again, this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
and you may be seated. So this this verse on the on the surface is is kind of an odd an odd verse, right? Like why would God lead us into temptation? And and I really we need to think of this as, as one thought. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's not two separate things, but it's one, it's one kind of cohesive thought of like, lead us where we need to go. And so, again, it's this dependence on God for, for where he's going to take us. So not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So... Really, we can't understand, like, lead us not into temptation until we understand sin. So I want to take a minute to talk about sin. And that's not a, a, a really popular topic that everybody's going to get pumped up about. And if I was like, hey, like, listen to this. It's a great thing talking about sin. You're probably like, well, I'll, like, I'll pass. Like, do you have, like, something happiness? Like, is there, like, a thing on joy or something like that that, that maybe I can tune into? But sin is important for, for us to understand because this is, this is how we live out our Christian life. And so I want to talk about two types of sin today, sins of commission and sins of omission. And so sins of commissions are, are sins that we commit, things that we do that we're wrong. And then sins of omission are areas in our life where God was calling us to something and we refused to be obedient and we sat back and did nothing. And so really I want to break those two things down separately so that, so that we have a good understanding of them so that we can really then align ourselves with God and depend on Him to walk this out. So sins of commission, that's where we do something wrong. And we can all get on board with that. You can probably look back at your week and say, like, here's a couple of things that I did that I shouldn't have done, and those were wrong, and that was sin. And if I told you, like, hey, you need to confess your sin right now, like, you would probably, like, be able to identify those things and say, like, here, it was this, it was Tuesday, and I did this. It was, like, it was Wednesday, I lost my temper. It was, you know, whatever, like, whatever it is. But I want us to understand that those sins of commission, they don't happen in a vacuum. It's not a one-time event. And a lot of times we think about sin that way. We think about, like, well, like this one time I did something, and then, like, it lasted for this period of time, and then I stopped doing it, and so then it's over and it's done with. But sin doesn't happen in a vacuum, and it doesn't affect just us. Like, when we sin, like, it changes those around us, like our relationships. It affects the people that, that we're in community with. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verses 5 through 6 says this, and, and this is God talking about uh, not building idols. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So think about that. Your sin goes on for generations to the third and fourth generation. Like it, It's visited that way. Those sins that you hang on to and that you don't clean out of your life and you don't get rid of, they affect 
your family for generations to come. Because what we do when we sin is we make something more important than God. And those things that we make more important than God, those idols, those all originate in ourselves. And so really, it's a reflection of us that we're choosing to worship instead of God. And we model that out and we show that out and we live that out and our kids pick that up and their kids pick that up and their kids pick that up and it goes on and it continues and it continues and it continues. And where we are in our life, we all have that, like we all have a patent answer for like what's your struggle. If I were to come to you and say, hey, like what sin do you struggle with? You would be able to give me a churchy answer about like the thing that you always say at this time. And we think of it as like, oh, it's a thing that I do every once in a while, and I feel bad about it, but I try harder, and then maybe it's a longer period of time until I do it again. But in reality, that's an idol that you continue to hold on to, that you continue to not get rid of, and so it's a constant State, if it's a constant in your life, and if that answer is the same that it's been for the last few years, you have an idol that you need to tear down and get rid of, and you haven't done it at a certain point. You haven't done it once or twice a month or once or twice a year. You've done it this entire time. Because sin doesn't happen in a vacuum. And a lot of times we think that Satan is going to come at us to try to get us to sin in, in crazy ways, Right? Like we think like, oh, well, I'll, like I might get tempted to do X, Y, Z, horrible thing. But that's not how it is. Satan wants to come to you and give you something good and make that good thing more important to you than God and then make that good thing and make you enjoy that good thing in a way that God never intended. Uh, if you've never read uh, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, it... it it's a really intriguing book, and it's written, it's basically letters written to a demon. So Satan is writing to a demon and coaching him, basically, on how to come at this, this Christian that he's been assigned to. So let me read you um, an excerpt from that, and then there'll be another one later on as well. Never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy or God's ground. He, being God, made the pleasure. All our research so, so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is encourage the humans to take the pleasures which God has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. <coughs> So God wants to take the good things in your life and he wants you to do them in places where you shouldn't be, with people that you shouldn't be doing them with, in quantities that you shouldn't be doing them, in times and places where you ought not be. And that's how Satan comes at us. To get us to do these things and it's little by little, it's subtly, it's over time, we find ourselves in a place where we never intended to go with people that we never intended to be with farther and farther away from God than we ever would have desired. And not because of a one-time opportunity that Satan puts out there, 
but a little by little, hey, it wouldn't be so bad if this is a good thing. It'd be okay if. Does it really matter if? And little by little, those sins of commission stack up until we're in a place so far away from God. And I would tell you that sins of commission really begin with sins of omission. John uh, chapter 14 verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And see, that's the thing that we don't talk about a lot with sin. It's like if God's calling you to do something, if you're commanded to do it and you don't do it, that's sin. And that's difficult for us because, because we like to create boxes, right? Like I want to create a box so that I can show you I never get outside this box. I stay right here. Look, I don't drink or touch or smoke or chew or go with girls that do. I'm just right. Those are words to live by. You should write them down. But it, like, it's those kinds of things that we say, look, look here, here's my list. I don't do any of this bad stuff. But how many times has God called you to do something and you took a step back? How many times do you know that God wanted you to be obedient in, what, in this way or that way and you decided, like, ah, I just can't? Because in the same way that that idol is there in your life that you say, I'm going to do this thing and ignore God over here, you're saying, I'm going to put myself on the throne and ignore God's commands. Let me read you another excerpt from the screw tape letters. You must, you must therefore zealously guard in his mind the curious assumption, my time is my own. Let him have the feeling that he starts each day as the lawful possessor of 24 hours. Let him feel as grievous tax that portion of his property which he has to make over to his employers and as a generous donation that further portion which he allows to religious duties. But what he must never be permitted to doubt is that the total from which these deductions have been made in some mysterious sense is his own personal birthright. If Jesus is Lord of your life, your time is not your own. Amen. Your days are not yours. Your years are not yours. The things that you do are not your own. But so many times, and believe me, I'm the number one at this. I go, look at all the stuff I did this week for God. Look at all this time that I gave over to God. And I pat myself on the back, and I go out being as far from God as I could possibly be. Because who am I really worshiping there? Even those things, even if they're good things, I can worship myself in them by thinking that my time is mine and that doesn't belong to God. That somehow me agreeing to be obedient in situations is this great thing that I did. And I put myself up on a pedestal and then my attitude starts to go, and I start to look around, and I start to go look at all these people that aren't doing what I'm doing, and like they like they ought to be they ought to be getting after it like I'm getting after it because like look at me look how much time I donate look how much money I give look how much of this I do, and all of a sudden, 
I'm as far away from the gospel as I can be. Because I think my time is mine. Because I am on the throne of my life. It, uh, it's so easy to fall into. You can, do the same, like you can do the same activity and one day it be service to God and the next day it be sin. And I can give you a really good example of from my life. Like, it's these chairs. Like, there are weeks that I come in and I straighten the chairs and I set the chairs up and I do all this stuff and I am like, I am thinking about and praying for the people that are going to be in them and that is 100% service to God. And there are times that I come in and I'm grumbling and I'm upset and I'm like, why do I have to be the one to do all the chairs? And it is sin. And it's the same feet in the same hands doing the same thing in the same building, but my heart is in a different place. And in one place it's service to God, and in the next place it's sin. And that's where Satan wants us to be. Satan wants us to be in this world where we think, I'm doing it right, I'm giving my time, I'm doing all this stuff, and little by little, he takes us down a road where we never wanted to go. We see this in, in the life of Israel, in the men's Bible study, we've been going through the book of Judges, and you'll see a judge rule over Israel, and then he passes away, and it says they forget God. And they sin. And they fall into it. And God has to save them again. And it's the same thing that we do. In our life, we have these seasons of victory or, or these things that go on. And, and we come close to God in these mountaintop experiences. And then we forget God. And slowly but surely, we drift away. And he's no longer on the throne. But we are. You see, it, it's a condition of the heart. The Sermon on the Mount is a great illustration. Jesus said, you've heard, do not murder, but I say to you, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. You've, said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you've looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. See, it's a condition of a heart. And no one can look at you and know that. And you can't prove it. And so how do we do it? How do, how do we escape this, this world of sin, and I want to tell you that it is not by you trying harder. It is not by you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It is not by you doing better, being better. That's not how it is, because that's right where Satan wants you. Satan wants you to think, I'm going to try harder. And you're going to get up, and you're going to go, and you're going to try harder, and you're going to, and you're going to fight, and then you're going to make a mistake, and you're going to feel guilty, and you're not going to want to go to God, and you're going to drift further and further away, and you'll go, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder this time. I'm going to do better. I did that thing that I knew I shouldn't have done. I got mad when I knew, like, I knew that I shouldn't have. And I did it anyway. Man, I, like, I've got to do better. I'm going to try harder. That's right where Satan wants you. The only way to do it is through dependence. And that's where we are today. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is that prayer of dependence, just like for our daily bread, just like for our salvation, the forgiveness of our debts, and just like for the grace to forgive others, it is the dependence on God to live our life in a way that takes us away from sin, that delivers us from evil. Uh, let me read. Uh, I'll continue on with John. Chapter 14, verses 15 through 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask my Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
That's the Holy Spirit. So he lays it out. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and this is how. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and it's through his power and his doing. Because if I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, and I can conquer that sin in my life, then who am I really worshiping? I'm right back to worshiping me. And I go, look how good I did. But it's through dependence on God. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24 says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk in the walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance, ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught about him as the truth in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You see, the same God that created the world with Jesus, remember, we just studied Genesis, let us create man in our image. The same God that created man wants to create in you a new heart. Wants to make you a new person. Wants to make you a new creature. And so it's him that does it. And this happens through prayer. Through this dependence. I, um, I have a challenge for you. And this is, this is something that I did um, a long time ago. And uh, you'll be amazed by this. But... Set for yourself some kind of some kind of reminder or a thing that you'll notice. For me, I did it. Um, I had a watch that I could at the time it was Casio. It's pretty sweet, and uh, you could set a chime, right? And it would chime every so often. And I set that chime, and then every time I heard the chime, I would pray about whatever was going on, whatever I was thinking about, whatever I was doing, whoever I was interacting with. I would pray right then. And so set something else for yourself. I had, I had a buddy who put, he put a little red sticker on his watch. And every time he would look down and see it, he would pray. And I tell you this, like, it will be very convicting. When I first set it up, I was like, this would be really cool. I'll pray for people. I'll, I'll be so spiritual. But more often than not, that chime would go off. And I'd be like, God, I, I don't know why I'm so mad right now. God, I don't know why I just said that. God, I don't know why I didn't encourage that person. God, I don't know why I was so afraid to invite that person to church. God, I don't know why I didn't share what was on my heart to share with that person. And I just sat here and ate my words. I don't know why I did that. And you'll find that that, that being in constant prayer is how you do it. Because then he builds in you what he wants. His game plan and his goal gets accomplished because you are walking in lockstep with him. Not of your own power, not because you're such a sweet person or because you got it all figured out or because you've been in church for so long or because you have so many Bible verses memorized, but because you are constantly depending on him through prayer. Uh, we're going to worship a little more and, and this, this series on prayer, I, I hope that, that you recognize that 
It was done intentionally because we are to be a people of prayer. We are to be a people that constantly seeks God, that constantly seeks to align ourselves to Him, get our relationship right with Him, put ourselves with His goal and His game plan in mind, depend on Him for our daily needs, for our salvation, for our grace, and then finally for the way that we walk. Let's pray. God, we just come to you today and I pray that you you fill us up and you make us more like you. God, I pray that we wouldn't try on our own to defeat the sin in our life, that we wouldn't pull ourselves up and try harder and stay in this cycle of being beaten down and afraid to come to you. God, I pray that we would walk with you every day, that we would pray without ceasing, and that we would depend completely on you for the results. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.